chapter two of chrome yellow by aldous huxley this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by expatriate in bangor maine chapter two he took nobody by surprise there was nobody to take all was quiet dennis wandered from room to empty room looking with pleasure at the familiar pictures and furniture at all the little untidy signs of life that lay scattered here and there he was rather glad that they were all out it was amusing to wander through the house as though one were exploring a dead deserted pompeii what sort of life would the excavator reconstruct from these remains how would he people these empty chambers there was the long gallery with its rows of respectable and though of course one couldn't publicly admit it rather boring italian primitives its chinese sculptures its unobtrusive dateless furniture there was the panelled drawing-room where the huge chintz-covered armchairs stood oases of comfort among the austere flesh-mortifying antiques there was the morning-room with its pale lemon walls its painted venetian chairs and rococo tables its mirrors its modern pictures there was the library cool spacious and dark book-lined from floor to ceiling rich in portentous folios there was the dining-room solidly port winily english with its great mahogany table its eighteenth-century chairs and sideboard its eighteenth-century pictures family portraits meticulous animal paintings what could one reconstruct from such data there was much of henry wimbush in the long gallery in the library something of anne perhaps in the morning-room that was all among the accumulations of ten generations the living had left but few traces lying on the table in the morning-room he saw his own book of poems what tact he picked it up and opened it it was what the reviewers call a slim volume he read at hazard but silence and the topless dark vault in the lights of luna park and blackpool from the nightly gloom hollows a bright tumultuous tomb he put it down again shook his head and sighed what genius i had then he reflected echoing the aged swift it was nearly six months since the book had been published he was glad to think he would never write anything of the same sort again who could have been reading it he wondered and perhaps he liked to think so perhaps too she had at last recognized herself in the hamadryad of the poplar sapling the slim hamadryad whose movements were like the swaying of a young tree in the wind the woman who was a tree was what he had called the poem he had given her the book when it had come out hoping that the poem would tell her what he hadn't dared to say she had never referred to it he shut his eyes and saw a vision of her in a red velvet cloak swaying into the little restaurant where they sometimes dined together in london three-quarters of an hour late and he at his table haggard with anxiety irritation hunger oh she was damnable it occurred to him that perhaps his hostess might be in her boudoir it was a possibility he would go and see mrs wimbush's boudoir was in the central tower on the garden front a little staircase corkscrewed up to it from the hall dennis mounted tapped at the door come in ah she was there he had rather hoped she wouldn't be he opened the door priscilla wimbush was lying on the sofa a blotting-pad rested on her knees and she was thoughtfully sucking the end of a silver pencil hello she said looking up i'd forgotten you were coming 
well here i am i'm afraid said dennis deprecatingly i'm awfully sorry mrs wimbush laughed her voice her laughter were deep and masculine everything about her was manly she had a large square middle-aged face with a massive projecting nose and little greenish eyes the whole surmounted by a lofty and elaborate coiffure of a curiously improbable shade of orange looking at her dennis always thought of wilkie bard as the cantatrice that's why i'm going to sing an opera sing an opera sing an op 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 opera to-day she was wearing a purple silk dress with a high collar and a row of pearls the costume so richly dowagerish so suggestive of the royal family made her look more than ever like something on the halls what have you been doing all this time she asked well said dennis and he hesitated almost voluptuously he had a tremendously amusing account of london and its doings all ripe and ready in his mind it would be a pleasure to give it utterance well to begin with he said but he was too late mrs wimbush's question had been what the grammarians call rhetorical it asked for no answer it was a little conversational flourish a gambit in the polite game you find me busy at my horoscope she said without even being aware that she had interrupted him a little pained dennis decided to reserve his story for more receptive ears he contented himself by way of revenge with saying oh rather icily did i tell you how i won four hundred on the grand national this year yes he replied still frigid and monosyllabic she must have told him at least six times wonderful isn't it everything is in the stars in the old days before i had the stars to help me i used to lose thousands now she paused an instant well look at that four hundred on the grand national that's the stars dennis would have liked to hear more about the old days but he was too discreet and still more too shy to ask there had been something of a bust-up that was all he knew old priscilla not so old then of course and sprightlier had lost a great deal of money dropped it in handfuls and hatfuls on every race-course in the country she had gambled too the number of thousands varied in the different legends but all put it high henry wimbush was forced to sell some of his primitives a tadeo da pongibonsi an amico de tadeo and four or five nameless sienese to the americans there was a crisis for the first time in his life henry asserted himself and with good effect it seemed priscilla's gay and gadding existence had come to an abrupt end nowadays she spent almost all her time at prome cultivating a rather ill-defined malady for consolation she dallied with new thought and the occult her passion for racing still possessed her and henry who was a kind-hearted fellow at bottom allowed her forty pounds a month betting money most of priscilla's days were spent in casting the horoscopes of horses and she invested her money scientifically as the stars dictated she betted on football too and had a large notebook in which she registered the horoscopes of all the players in all the teams of the league the process of balancing the horoscopes of two elevens one against the other was a very delicate and difficult one a match between the spurs and the villa entailed a conflict in the heavens so vast and so complicated that it was not to be wondered at if she sometimes made a mistake about the outcome such a pity you don't believe in these things dennis such a pity said mrs wimbush in her deep distinct voice i can't say i feel it so ah that's because you don't know what it's like to have faith 
you've no idea how amusing and exciting life becomes when you do believe all that happens means something nothing you do is ever insignificant it makes life so jolly you know here am i at crome dull as ditchwater you'd think but no i don't find it so i don't regret the old days a bit i have the stars she picked up the sheet of paper that was lying on the blotting pad inman's horoscope she explained i thought i'd like to have a little fling on the billiards championship this autumn i have the infinite to keep in tune with she waved her hand and then there's the next world and all the spirits and one's aura and mrs eddy and saying you're not ill and the christian mysteries and mrs besant it's all splendid one's never dull for a moment i can't think how i used to get on before in the old days pleasure running about that's all it was just running about lunch tea dinner theatre supper every day it was fun of course while it lasted but there wasn't much left of it afterwards there's rather a good thing about that in barbecue smith's new book where is it she sat up and reached for a book that was lying on the little table by the head of the sofa do you know him by the way she asked who mr barbecue smith dennis knew of him vaguely barbecue smith was a name in the sunday papers he wrote about the conduct of life he might even be the author of what a young girl ought to know no not personally he said i've invited him for next weekend she turned over the pages of the book here's the passage i was thinking of i marked it i always mark the things i like holding the book almost at arm's length for she was somewhat long-sighted and making suitable gestures with her free hand she began to read slowly dramatically what are thousand pound fur coats what are quarter million incomes she looked up from the page with a histrionic movement of the head her orange coiffure nodded portentously dennis looked at it fascinated was it the real thing and henna he wondered or was it one of those complete transformations one sees in the advertisements what are thrones and sceptres the orange transformation yes it must be a transformation bobbed up again what are the gaieties of the rich the splendours of the powerful what is the pride of the great what are the gaudy pleasures of high society the voice which had risen in tone questioningly from sentence to sentence dropped suddenly and boomed reply they are nothing vanity fluff dandelion seed in the wind thin vapours of fever the things that matter happen in the heart seen things are sweet but those unseen are a thousand times more significant it is the unseen that counts in life mrs wimbush lowered the book beautiful isn't it she said dennis preferred not to hazard an opinion but uttered a non-committal hm ah oh, it's a fine book this a beautiful book said priscilla as she let the pages flick back one by one from under her thumb and here's the passage about the lotus pool he compares the soul to a lotus pool you know she held up the book again and read a friend of mine has a lotus pool in his garden it lies in a little dell embowered with wild roses and eglantine among which the nightingale pours forth its amorous descant all the summer long within the pool the lotuses blossom and the birds of the air come to drink and bathe themselves in its crystal waters Ah and that reminds me priscilla exclaimed shutting the book with a clap and uttering her big profound laugh that reminds me of the things that have been going on in our bathing pool since you were here last 
we gave the village people leave to come and bathe here in the evenings you've no idea of the things that happened she leaned forward speaking in a confidential whisper every now and then she uttered a deep gurgle of laughter mixed bathing saw them out of my window sent for a pair of field-glasses to make sure no doubt of it the laughter broke out again dennis laughed too barbecue smith was tossed on the floor it's time we went to see if tea's ready said priscilla she hoisted herself up from the sofa and went swishing off across the room striding beneath the trailing silk dennis followed her faintly humming to himself that's why i'm going to sing an opera sing an opera sing an op 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 opera and then the little twiddly bit of accompaniment at the end ra ra end of chapter two recording by expatriate in bangor maine